from Jordan-Hare Stadium to Auburn Arena. From the Plains to the recruiting trail and all points in between. If it's Auburn, we've got it covered. Did I say War Eagle? Or War Eagle. That's it? War Eagle. This is the Auburn Undercover Podcast with Brandon Marcello. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the roundtable. We're back. Philip Marshall, Ron Sanders, Keith Niebuhr, and myself, Brandon Marcello. Thanks for joining us. Last time we chatted, there were some things going on, but it's amazing how even in February, uh, there's always something uh, happening uh, with Auburn. And I wanted to start off the roundtable, just jump right into it. Uh, guys, the the Deep South Soldish rivalry, Auburn and Georgia, Moving from November to what we're hearing is the first week of October, starting in 2020 and possibly, most likely, beyond. Uh, initial reaction to this, we all know why Auburn wanted to do it, uh, to spread out the Alabama and Georgia games because of the uh, road schedule, have to go to Alabama and Georgia every other year, but... Initial reaction on this? Do we believe it's a temporary move? Is this something that's going to stick? What are your thoughts on it? Start with Philip. Well, you know, I, I think it's good for both of them. And from what I understand, uh, the Georgia administration and coaches were for it too, even though it seems like a lot of uh, columnists and whatnot in Georgia weren't for it. But uh, uh, I think it's good because it, it's, it, it makes it, easier to recover win or lose it, it's uh it's hard when uh when when you play those the two biggest games so close together and uh uh and, and it seems like the end of the world if you lose and and sometimes it seems like you've accomplished everything if you win and uh i, I think it'll be better for both of them it, it will it will make the game a little bit uh it will lessen it a little bit because it's not at the end of the season with with, with usually so much at stake. But uh, it's something Auburn's been wanting to do for a while, I think. And uh, they would also like to obviously get it get it back to uh, where they don't play Alabama and Georgia uh, on the road and at home the same year. Uh, I'm not sure I agree with that as much because I, I look back at 2013. Uh, did they win that game if they're in Athens? Probably not. And they don't get to the BCS championship game. So, I, you know, I think there's – it's definitely a, it's definitely a drawback when you play them both on the road, but it's also definitely an advantage when you play them both at home. But back back to to this, I think it's probably better, and uh, even though it will will lessen the drama of the rivalry a little bit, I think and that may not be all bad either, to be honest with you. Ronnie, what do you think? I mean, having seen this over the years and being involved with it, to, to see this – See this move, and as Philip said, is this going to affect the the rivalry at all? You know, um, I think maybe it, it may lessen it a little bit, but you know, you look around college football, and uh, rivalry games are played all throughout the year uh, at different places, and so uh, Auburn Georgia is always going to be a big rivalry. It's the it's the uh, it's the oldest rivalry in the Deep South, and so you know, I still think it's going to be a big game. I, I think for Auburn. Um, you know, I, I, I tend to agree with Philip. You know, when the games were back to back, you know, I, I certainly agreed with with uh, with trying to change the scheduling so you know they're not playing playing at Alabama at Georgia in the same season. But I think this lessens that. Uh, I think that that uh, you know when you play your two biggest rivalry games almost back to back right at the end of the season, it's a it's a you know it's not a lot of fun. You can't get up emotionally for it. So um, I think this. This will be, I think, it'll be good for both schools. Keith, do you do you think this affects recruiting at all? In a, in a sense that, I mean, this is just talk. But I kept hearing from folks that I know in Georgia that Georgia coaches were going to try and use this against Auburn somehow, and saying, "Look at them; they're tucking their tails and running from us in November." I, does that really even matter when it, when you're visiting a recruit in their living room and discussing? No, no, absolutely not, guys. It's a little windy where I'm at, so I hope everybody can hear me. But no, not at all. But it's just another. Di- it, well, look, we first of all, I don't know if George is really doing that, so uh, I don't want to 
you know, condemn them for something we don't even know for a fact that they're doing. But I don't think a kid is going to matter. That I still think the bigger deal is that Auburn has Bama and Georgia at home in the same year. So then the years when they don't have those two teams at home, your home schedule just isn't nearly as attractive for recruits. I think that's the bigger deal. Now, if Texas A&M keeps getting better, uh, you know, you have that game, then you have Texas A&M. So there's going to be years, excuse me, uh, LSU as well. There's going to be years where it's not going to matter. Uh, you're still going to have an attractive home schedule. But now I don't think this really matters. And I, I do think that more than anything, it's going to add to the Georgia-Tennessee rivalry, quite frankly. I think that that's going to pick up again. Yeah, and uh, yeah. You know, provide, provided Tennessee gets better. And also, here's something that people are not thinking about. It gets a little chilly up in Knoxville in, in, uh, in November. It does not get chilly in Knoxville in September. And if you don't think that matters, and Philip, you know this, for years, Florida used to go up to Kentucky and get it handed to them. I mean, year in and year out for years. Well, they moved that game from November to September. And that took away any bit of home field advantage Kentucky really ever had based on weather. Now, granted, it's not a ton different from Athens to Knoxville, but it's a difference. And it could be a 10 degree difference. And uh, the difference between 84 degrees and 34 degrees could be significant. So I, I do think those things do matter. But I think it's good for that rivalry, and I don't think it hurts Auburn, Auburn, Georgia at all. It's Auburn, Georgia. I mean, that's to me one of the great underrated rivalries in college football. Kind of, in my opinion, I, I, and this is just me only being around it for six years, but and I've only been around it since the schedule change with the home and away and everything. I thought I never really got the sense that the Georgia rivalry. I think it lost something with it being on the road in such a short amount of time with Alabama at the same time, because people are so focused on Alabama. I I almost feel like this is, this might help the rivalry because it's spread out a little bit much like, I mean, people want to say, talk about it, make fun of it, but like Alabama and Tennessee, it had been much of a rivalry because Alabama just kills them every year. But you know, third Saturday in October, everybody talks about Alabama and Tennessee and now in the first week of October, everybody's going to be talking about Auburn and Georgia, whereas I know they were talking about it in November, but maybe this is like a – it's like the it's like the, the, the benchmark for the entire season at the middle of the year. We get to find out if Georgia or Auburn are for real. I, I think it actually kind of puts some more, more of a spotlight on it. Maybe I'm completely wrong. Like I said, I've only been around six years, but – I like it just for that fact as a fan watching it from, from afar. Yeah, I, I think, you know, it's always going to be a big game, and it's it's always a huge game for a third or thereabouts of Auburn's players who uh, who come from Georgia. And, uh, uh, you know, it's not so much history and all those things. I, I don't – this will just be another little uh, n- another little story in the, in the history of the rivalry. And uh, – It'll still be Auburn. It'll still be Georgia, and uh, and it might even be that some some years that uh, you know there's a better chance that they'll play each other undefeated, obviously at the end of September, the first of October, than there is that in the middle of November. So uh, yeah, that's kind of what I was getting I at. Yeah, yeah, um, and and then just I, I wonder if this is just going to be a temporary move for a few years. <clears throat> or if the teams in the SEC will fix this quote-unquote hiccup in Auburn's schedule with Alabama and Georgia on the road every other year, Georgia seems to think, at least their administration, that that, has, that is not an option unless the SEC expands. Auburn, on the other hand, at least Alan Green has said, uh, as far back as this past November, hey, we're willing to go to Athens two years in a row to fix this and do whatever it takes to fix it. Gus Malzahn doesn't want this temporary fix to stick. He wants to be able to fix the home and away with Alabama and Georgia. But it seems just from Georgia's spectrum, and of course, not only does Auburn and Georgia have to be on board with it, the SEC and its other member institutions have to be on board with it. It seems like that pipe might be a pipe dream, even six years down the road when this current SEC schedule rotation ends. What do you guys think about that, that Maybe this temporary fix will end up being permanent, and it'll just have to be Georgia and Alabama away every other year, and Georgia's going to forever be – well, not forever, but never say forever. But uh, Georgia's going to be on the schedule for in October for the foreseeable future to help alleviate some of that pain for, for Auburn. I think that, that uh, 
people would say Jay Jacobs made a mistake by agreeing to it when he did. When Georgia came to Auburn two straight years to 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 change to change that, and uh, uh, but he did. And the problem is <laughs> when 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 it's when it, like you said, the, it's, there's a lot of people that have to agree to this. Auburn and Georgia can't just decide it, even if both of them wanted to. They they can't just decide it, and people aren't eager to to vote for something that uh, if if you think it's going to help you, then the other schools in the SEC just assume not help you, and uh, so it's 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 hard it's hard to get a consensus on on doing something like that. And and the case before it was the league had expanded and and all those things, but without a that a concrete reason. I, I think what's going to be interesting in the future is it is it going to stay like it is. Uh, the only reason for having permanent opponent cross divisional opponents, really, the only two reasons are Auburn, Georgia, and Alabama, Tennessee. Outside of that, it's not a big deal. There's no there's no other big cross divisional traditional ages old rivalries there, and I'm not sure it's not going to come to a point where they don't play every year anyway. Yeah. I, I somewhat agree with that, and I wonder, you know, I as far as scheduling and everything, uh, Philip, and maybe maybe you guys can wait. Everybody can weigh in on this too. I, I I think at some point in the next ten years, expansion is inevitable again. I, I, I think agree. I think they'll want to add two more teams at the very least and form their own super league. Uh, and if that happens, does the SEC get rid of divisions or? Is it a possibility Auburn moves to the SEC East at that point? I wonder what the conversations would be like at that point if the SEC were to expand the future like I believe they will. Do they get rid of the divisions, or do they try to move Auburn to the SEC East and make Alabama their quote-unquote permanent cross-divisional rival and obviously have to play Georgia every year anyway? It would be an interesting thing to look at should the SEC expand once again. If it weren't for Alabama, the East was is is really that's where there's more Auburn traditional rivals in the East than there are in the West. But but uh, the thing is, and I think a lot of people overlook this, as we all know, since since 1963, one of six teams has won the has won the uh, SEC championship every year, uh, and uh, I don't think it was by accident that three of those teams were put in the West and three of those teams were put in the East when they first did go to divisions. That's a fantastic point. I never thought about that. That's yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, it's Phil, Philip makes a great point. And Auburn's traditional rivals, you know, are not LSU and 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 uh, you know the, the most of the teams in the in the West Miss, except Alabama. It's Miss and Mississippi State. That's the only other team that Auburn has basically played every year that's in the West. And Georgia, Florida, Tennessee. Uh, Auburn used to play Kentucky a lot too, and. Uh, but certainly Florida. That's that's a game a lot of people miss, and that was a that was a fun rivalry too. And the Tennessee the, the Tennessee game was a fun rivalry. They both no were. question, no question. It was it was the first often it was the first really big SEC game of the season because it was usually the first two or three weeks of the season. Sometimes the first week of the season, and uh, it kind of set the tone for whoever won that they they were going to be in a they were going to have a, a chance. Uh, I spoke to Alan Green, Auburn's athletics director, last week uh, in a one-on-one, and we talked about the football-only complex. I think it's just a matter of time before that happens. Uh, I, I do think that I – know, I know that we're really skipping around here, but I, I wanted to bring it up because I, I, at this point, Philip, based off what I'm hearing and feeling, I guess in my in – my, big old tummy is that Auburn's going to move forward with this thing and push it with the help of the president fundraising be damned um, to get it done. My question is, is Auburn going to get the type of support financially in the fundraising department that they were hoping and expecting going forward what are your thoughts? I mean, we've talked about this a lot, but it's a big issue. Every fan is bringing it up almost every day on our message board. What do you think is going to happen here in the next few months to a year with this football-only complex after reading what Alan Green had to say? You know, it's, it's interesting because I was told by a trustee last fall 
that it was going to it was going to be approved at the November board meeting, and uh, uh, that they had been told they needed to raise thirty million dollars, and they were getting close to that uh to that benchmark. And then, and, uh, uh, from what I'm told, again, two things happened. One is the football season kind of went 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 in the dumps, and and two is there was conflict about uh, who was going to uh, decide exactly what this complex was going to be, and uh, uh, and whether that's been resolved or not, I don't know. But uh, yeah, I think they'll do it. I, you know. I, College athletics is an interesting thing. There are places that would just say we're going to float a bond issue and get the money. Well, you know, a lot of people, there are people who think what Auburn should do is float a huge bond issue, which is what Alabama did back in the mid 2000s. Yeah. Or, or and get all their facilities where they need to be. And uh, not just football because they're, they're further behind in other sports than they are in football. And, and uh, but I don't, Auburn's board of trustees, uh, I don't think is going to ever go along with something like that. So, yeah. at least not anytime soon. So, uh, what do they do with the fundraising? I don't know. And how is the fundraising going? I don't know that either. I don't know that. Uh, I do think this. I think that that Alan Green, uh, if this is a problem, deserves no part of the blame for this problem. He, he didn't create yeah. it. He inherited it. And, uh, 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 and the only thing I wish about Alan is that, uh, 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 you know, whether it's last December or whether it's, uh, about this, I wish he would be more out front and more public and, and, yeah. and, and talk about it and not I, just in an interview, interview here and there, but yeah, but sh- share what's going on with Auburn people. I think I think he's in a very difficult situation in, in that one he's a new guy in the block two he's dealing with a political dynamic that is Auburn and three he just doesn't want to upset certain people by saying things which as a leader you would say well tough noogie you know I'm doing it um, and I agree with you he should be up more up front with this he should have been more up front with it from the day uh, Gus Malzahn said, "Hey, I'm donating two million dollars to this," because the day that happened, that was that was the day you're supposed to strike and explain right. to fans what your vision is. And nothing like that happened. He, he's it, it was announced the day of the LSU game, and then they lost the LSU game. Everybody got upset, and then it was like, "Okay, we, we didn't mean to do that. We didn't mean to say that." It, right. it, it was like they just tucked back to their turtle shells. And now Allen's starting to poke back out. Go, okay. You know, still, this is the number one thing we want to do. But my feeling is, is that the fundraising isn't it isn't quite up to what they're expecting. As you said, that thirty million dollar number sounds about right. My, I, I've I've been told and heard that they're aiming at sixty million dollars for a facility, and they want to raise a you know, as you said, that would be about fifty percent right. of 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 the funds. But but then it brings up this other issue, Philip, that I've always had an issue with. Where, wherever uh, I've covered schools, and that's piecemealing things, and that's let's do this one thing, and then five years oh, down yeah. the road do this or yeah. that. I, I kind of agree with you that why not have, as you said, he's putting together a master plan, but at no point in talking with him did it sound like, hey, we're putting this master plan together, and we plan on doing all this concurrently. It was more or less, here's something we're just going to present to everybody. We don't know what the price tag is going to be. We might not launch it, you know, $200 million campaign or anything like that, that you people, other, other universities usually do, which is baffling to me. He was very, very vague on it, but I, I think for Auburn's sake and for the fans sake and for the future of the program, I know we talked a lot about this football facility, but I, I'm with you, Philip. I just don't understand why you don't come together with this massive plan and go, we got to spend this money it. one way or the other to get ahead. Uh, that's, that's, that's what they need to do. And my, in, in my opinion, but I just, again, this board of trustees, I don't see that happening. And the, the ridiculous thing about it is, is none of this should have anything to do with who is coaching any sport. Uh, it's not built for a coach. It's built Correct. for the program. And even if you, if, if you announce today, you're going to build a football complex, it's probably going to be three years. And who knows whether Gus Malzahn will still be here or not. 
Yeah, and here, here's uh, the other, here's the other thing. I mean, they're gonna build it. They're gonna build it within the next three years. I mean, Allen straight up said it. He said, "I'd like to think that," but his th- thought is, it's gonna happen in three years. It's gonna be one year of design phase and all that stuff. They're gonna break ground, have it built within two years. That's the entire plan they have behind the scenes there. But there are people still hung up on. Well, Gus Malzahn's a coach. Well, guess what? When that thing opens up. Gus Malzahn might be an offensive coordinator somewhere else. Yeah, you know, exactly. he might not be here. Why? Why are you thinking like, okay, so if I donate this money, I I do not understand that line of thinking. People are handcuffing themselves, um, no matter who the coach is. And we can't, we talked about this before. I, I line it back up with what they did with Auburn Arena and getting that done when things were in the dumps already. And maybe it wasn't the coach that was the answer, Jeff Lebo at the time. And certainly Tony Barbie, when he came on board, wasn't the coach. But they did it for the future. And I told Alan this straight up. I go, I don't think that team over there, that program, basketball, wins an SEC championship last season without that arena. And he asked why. And I said, well, to be quite honest with you, I know Bruce Pearl was on hard times and wanted to get back in the SEC and coach Auburn. But I'm not so sure he would have came here if it was Beard Eve's Coliseum. I don't know if he'd been able to recruit to that. Um, and I don't know, even if Bruce Pearl came, he would be able to recruit to that the, the type of level of talent he got here to win that SEC championship last year. They built for the future, not knowing really who the coach would be. They need to do that for all programs. Well, they do. I agree 100%. And the fact of the matter is, Beard Eve – Memorial Coliseum, when it was full, was, was could be a could be an electrifying place. Most of the time, it wasn't full. It is really hard to win at Auburn Arena for an uh, for an opponent. You better be really good and playing good if you're going. It's an there. incredible atmosphere. And and all it all it would it have made one game difference uh, if last season's team was playing at Beardy's Memorial Coliseum. I'd say at least one, and that would have been enough that they didn't win an SEC championship. Uh, uh, I, I I don't. I agree with you so totally about the piecemeal thing. And then what ends up happening is, and this is what's happening in baseball, for instance, right now, they start, they, they have this plan and then they start cutting this and we'll do that later. And we'll do this later. And you end up, you, you stay behind. Even if you do it, when you do it, other people, I mean, Alabama, Alabama has not been good consistently in baseball for a long time. And they built a 40 plus million dollar baseball stadium. Uh, with a complete indoor practice facility where you can where you can do everything you can do outside, and uh, uh, I just don't see that kind of vision. And I'm not again. I'm not talking about Allen. I'm talking about the, the president, the board of trustees, whoever. I just don't see that kind of vision at Auburn, and haven't seen it since Pat Dye left. And, I, uh, I I get the feeling Philip Allen has these great grandiose ideas. I just right. think he's he's found out that yeah. it's not going to be possible to do everything he wants to do unless he somehow does some great work behind the scenes over the next year or two. And and but that's the thing. I, I just don't know, as you said, with the current dynamics, if anyone could get what they wanted done. That's beyond a piecemeal approach. And then even during that, it's a struggle because you're having to convince them, these boosters, to look beyond their nose, you know, of, well, Gus Malzahn's a coach right now. Right. Uh, yeah. That's that, the problem. That, and it's ridiculous, but that's it's, the problem. It's, right, it's problem. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We'll, we'll move on here. Let's talk basketball. Guys, uh, Auburn's coming off a blowout loss at Kentucky. <laughs> it actually didn't affect them, interestingly, very no. much in the rankings. They actually moved back up to 14 in the Ken Palm rankings and – I don't know how much you guys keep up with all that stuff, but Auburn's actually picked up another one in the Quadrant 1 uh, variety thanks to uh, some maneuvering by other teams. Auburn's Isla tournament resume, believe it or not, is stronger today than it was going into that Kentucky game. Uh, still, that, that was a bad loss in the sense that you just kind of felt like every weakness that Auburn has was exposed, and those are things oh, that teams can exploit going down the stretch. But an important four-game stretch here coming up, and it starts with on the road at Georgia Wednesday night, a quadrant three team, and if you lose that one, that will definitely affect you, and then all of a sudden you lose another game, 
that's when they start getting in, into the bubble, bubble talk. Yep. Yep. Um, so huge week, Philip. What did you take away from the Kentucky game, if anything? I didn't really take much from it, but it, it puts in a position now where these last four games, as I think a lot of us have been kind of saying, are going to be it's going to be the most important stretch of the season if they were unable to upset a Kentucky team. Right. Well. Uh, I'm a little different than you in that I've, I've been I've been watching Auburn get blown out at Kentucky for many years, so, uh, <laughs> so I'm never I'm never surprised. But you're right. Where are you Kentucky going? Is this a rerun? Exposed. Why are they showing reruns? <laughs> you're right that the Kentucky exposed every Auburn weakness, but I will say this: I don't know who else can expose them to the extent that Kentucky could can because they are so big and so athletic, and uh, they can put somebody's four inches taller than Bryce Brown out there to cover him and, and still not give up anything on the inside. And, you know, Auburn had one about, I, I don't know, when they cut a 19-point lead to seven in the first half, I thought, well, they're going to be in this game. And then Kentucky says, well, how'd that happen? Let's do something about it. And and pretty soon they were up by 30. But, uh, you know, it was a bad performance. Auburn, Auburn was not good enough to beat Kentucky and Lexington. But they're they're but they were they're better than what they played in that game. It, it was like they really just responded terribly, and uh, and I don't know why. But the question is now, how do they respond now? Because it didn't really make any more difference as far as the standing rankings, whatever. Yeah. Than if they had lost on a last second shot. Exactly. So, uh, but now they go to Georgia Wednesday, who is also huge. Now they're but they're one in thirteen. They're obviously not as good as Kentucky. But they have almost won their last three games. They almost they had LSU on, on the ropes. They had they had uh, Mississippi State on the ropes, and they lost by one at Ole Miss. Now, yeah. of course, Ole Miss was <laughs> what was going on at Ole Miss might have had something to do with how Ole yeah, Miss played I think in that so. game. I think so too. A lot, a lot of off the court distractions there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, uh, but I think they. Uh, they better, they better be ready to play this game. Every game they have left, I mean, they should beat Georgia, but they could lose. Well, Alabama, that's a th- Alabama, uh, Mississippi State, Tennessee, those are all tough games that could go either way. Yeah, that's the thing about Georgia. You mentioned them being long, and Bruce Pearl mentioned this before their first game that, you know, everybody's going to talk about their record and everything, but they're supremely long, and that really, these long teams affect Auburn. And yep. we saw it with Kentucky. I mean, Kentucky's big, but the thing that's really affected Auburn offensively are teams with length, and it's bothered them so much. Ole Miss, Mississippi State, definitely, Kentucky, and and Georgia on the road could be much, much, much different than it was at home. Auburn won that first game by 15, and I remember watching the Georgia, maybe the Mississippi State game this previous week or whatever, they were showing a picture of their starting five from fingertip to fingertip, covering the entire court because of their length. Uh, it, it's incredible. Um, and that, you push up and get in the, in the face of Auburn shooters on the arc, I and you're bigger than them, Auburn's offense has shown that it struggles. We saw it against Kentucky, obviously. Kentucky's in another world. But um, the SEC is certainly, I think, it's it's gone. For, it's There's three tiers right now in, in the SEC. There's Kentucky... LSU and Tennessee, there's the middle of the pack, and then there's Georgia and Vanderbilt. But it seems to me, in my opinion, guys, Auburn's at the top of that second tier. And I say it because, not necessarily because of their record, because the record would show they're like in the middle of the pack of the second tier. But I say that because they have just absolutely blown out and dominated teams in that second tier and in that third tier. I think Auburn's much better than it is Maybe not much better, but they're better than what their record shows in the SEC. And I think here down the stretch, they've got a chance. They really have a chance to go four and zero down down the stretch here, uh, with an opportunity to um, not only improve their record but also their seating in the NCAA tournament and rise to the top of that second level. As I said in the SEC, that's that's my opinion. I, I don't. I think I think people are looking at their record and going, "Oh man, it's a five hundred team." I think they're I think they're better than a five hundred team. And they've just run into some one, some well, bad luck, and then also with Austin Wiley injured, it's really messed some things uh, up. Every game they've lost has been to a team that's going in the league has been to a team that's going to the NCAA tournament. Uh, two to Ole Miss, two to Kentucky, Mississippi State, 
uh, LSU. I'm not leaving one out, but uh, uh, so I, I agree with you. The problem is that they have that they are kind of unique in that in how their team is constituted without without getting major contributions from Austin Wiley. In that, and and Macklemore has been playing closer, I think, to how he played last year. But he's still a long way from where he was before he got hurt, and it's just they, they can be exploited by that. And George's, George's, as I heard on TV uh, last week, one of the announcers said their offense is throw it up and go get it, and uh, yeah, and that can be a problem for Auburn. I mean, it can be not if Auburn. If I don't think George is athletic enough to to get out there and guard Bryce. I mean, Kentucky took Jared Harper out of the game, took him completely out of the game. With a bigger guy that's just as athletic as he is, I don't, I, I don't think yeah. Georgia probably has that the ability. Zero, to do that. zero assists for the only the second time in his entire career. Right, um, unheard of. Uh, it, it's it'll be interesting at in Georgia. I, I think um, it, it's amazing to me how I, I mentioned this. Like Auburn fans have turned into basketball aficionados ever since they won the SEC. <laughs> And it's like they don't remember, like, oh my God, do you not remember Tony Barbie losing in Northwestern State by like twenty and and at home? And uh, I mean, it's been a decade plus since they've been this good, let alone in back to back years. Um, it's uh, don't don't lose well, sight if, of that. If they if if they win two more games and have a winning record in the SEC, it'll be the fifth time in thirty years. Yeah, isn't that crazy? I mean, they've had a winning SEC record. Clip Ellis had two teams that had a winning SEC record. Two and out get, of ten. And get this, they might be better next year. Oh, they I might. don't think there's any doubt. I think yeah. they got, I think they're they're going to resolve some of their some of their issues on the perimeter. West Flanagan's son, Allen, is a six yes. five guard. And He's has had a up. remarkable, remarkable year this year. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I do think there's a good chance they'll be better next year. And I hope for Austin Wiley's sake that he can come back and be healthy and we can see him play like he played in the in the for Team USA. It's been, it's yeah. been really hard to watch. It's been I really wanted, watch. wanted to ask you about that because he just I, – I wonder, like, you know, the morbid part of me. Like, is this it for Austin Wiley? Does he – Say, forget this. I'm leaving Auburn. I'm going to go do the NBA or go overseas. But the injuries for a big man to their lower body. Oh, man. Yeah, I know. That's a very big concern. That, that's a very big concern for and it's NBA been happening teams. Since high school. It's yeah. Been happening since he was in high school. And we uh, haven't. I'm sorry. Um, I don't think he can go to the NBA. I don't think that's an option after this year. After yeah. This season. So you think he'll come back the next season, Phil? I would think so. Yeah. I would think so. I, I just don't see what. I don't see many other options he's got. Uh, I don't see him wanting to go overseas. And I mean, it, look, here's the thing: he needs to get healthy, and uh, uh, he still he he can still contribute to this team. I mean, he has a presence inside on defense that they don't have otherwise, and uh, so he can contribute. But he's just not, you know. I, I expect that a lot of people. I think he's one, that's one of the reasons Auburn has not contended like a lot of people thought they would is because people thought he was going to be a dominant force and i did too and yeah. uh and he hasn't clearly hasn't been if, and i don't think it's because it's, i think part of it's sitting out last year but most of it's because he hasn't been healthy if he was healthy i think the expectation would certainly be that he'd be a 15.7 rebound right. type guy right and, and you block, get that i'd block, block two or three or four shots right. a game and alter some others and yeah there's no question this team would be a lot different um, and we just haven't seen it. And it's obviously it's frustrating for him. It's frustrating for the coaches, but I'm sure as the fans, it's frustrating too. And, you know, I just wondered, you know, as far as this season, time's running out for him to be healthy and Auburn to be hitting its peak. And I'm not so sure that's going to happen this year, especially with the way he reacted when he uh, landed after a shot late in the – or not late, but early in the second half against Kentucky. It just seems like that lower leg's not going to get much better between now and the next few weeks. And I wonder if that's not working on him mentally too. Just that, Certainly. I mean, if, if every time you jump it hurts. That that's that's gonna that's gonna have an impact on you. Well on, yeah, on, you, on you mentally. You're exactly right. There's been times he can get boards and he hasn't gone as high as he could. Um if you if you notice and he he's obviously hobbling. He, um still you'll see him when they're not running and 
Um, he's always kind of run a little flat footed anyway, um, which I'm not a doctor, but uh, I had, I had a doctor type tell me that that could contribute to injuries. I'm like, okay, <laughs> but <laughs> well, <laughs> whatever. I think we're looking too much into this, but, um, it's it, uh, guy with that physical stature and the moves he's got. You just hope he turns it around one for his sake, but also Auburn's sake. And two, as someone who just watches basketball and loves good basketball, I'd love to see it because this team would be great with an inside presence and yeah. these hot, hot outside shooters. And because right now the best player on this team, in my opinion, is Chumo Kiki. He is so fun to watch. Oh man, on and off the ball, man. You watch I'm him no off coach. the ball. I'm I love no it. No coach, but if, if I was a coach, he'd be in the ball more. They got to figure out a way. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. He is a great player and a really and a team player. He plays he plays the game the right way. He is a he is an impressive guy, and uh, and you know and and look that's it, it was less than a week ago they just completely obliterated Arkansas, who is not a great team by any means, but they're not terrible and won at LSU and they just com- destroyed them, and, and uh, I think fans in the SEC, not just Auburn, tend to look at everything through the football a football prism and. Oh yeah. my gosh, you got beat! You got beat by twenty-seven points. It's all over with, and it's just a game. And uh, if you get to the if Auburn gets to the NCAA tournament in this season or really any season, that's a good year. Yeah, definitely, certainly. Um, we'll see. Start this week, Wednesday at Georgia. A late tip-off time. Get this: nine p.m. Eastern. It's gonna be nine p.m. Yeah. in Athens when it tips off. How stupid is that? Thanks, SEC Network. Yeah, really. <laughs> I mean, come on. So much for helping student athletes. Anyway, okay. Um, uh, Keith, are you still there? I know we've we've haven't been in your realm, but uh, well, I'm here. I'm here. I had some comments. I love basketball, but I well, what, what, do, what do you thing, think? What do you think? Go ahead. Well, well, you know, you got I, a couple things. I, man, I've been waiting for that one game that this team could hang its hat on. Maybe you know, may, thinking maybe it was the win over Bama. Maybe the win over Arkansas, but I'm I'm still waiting for that really that game that you're just like okay, these guys are ready to to do something now, and I just haven't seen it. It's it's you know, just as a casual basketball fan, it's it's frustrating. I'm not you know it's uh you know you you see there's pieces there, but obviously Wiley not being in there, and you think if Wiley was healthy, and you're talking about Okiki, imagine what that would do for Okiki having a guy inside to take some of the heat off of him. OK, because he's such a versatile inside outside guy. So a healthy Wiley probably gives you a much better Okiki, too. Uh, but I think the thing that's disappointing is that the one game that Auburn probably played its best all season was a loss. And that was the game against Duke. And I know they played good against uh, Murray State, pretty good against Washington, you know, fine teams. But it's, something's missing. You know, something's missing. And it's it, and I think it's more than Wiley, to be honest with you. But. Maybe that's unfair because we haven't seen them with the healthy Wiley for for a couple of months here. So uh, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I, I you know I, I think people want to think there's some some like some team thing wrong. I, I don't think that at all. Uh, oh no, these kids they, are they, really they have, close. They, they really they are. They have no inside game. I mean, you can just yeah, there's there. That's not just a little thing. They well, I don't no want to say I, I'm not game. suggesting. And, uh, yeah, I'm not suggesting that. And they won. They won seven SEC games. Most of them. Most of them with. Out having to break much of a sweat, uh, the ones they won, they you know, they should get, have been they should have been shooting three three free throws to send the LSU game to overtime. Uh, they they uh, they I'm trying to think the other South Carolina they had Okiki had a wide open three pointer he probably makes seventy percent of the time to win the game and didn't make it. Uh, well, I, I don't I don't think you know they, they got rattled or whatever last Saturday or overwhelmed or whatever you want to call it. But I don't, I don't think there's some kind of chemistry problem with this team at all. Well, I, well, I don't I, think I that it is. Yeah. And, and I didn't mean it that way. I meant just maybe from a talent point from point of view, you know, I don't know. Their guards are, not only do they not have an inside, real inside presence, their guards are small too. Yeah. And yeah. When they're playing well, against the six, is, seven guards, that's a problem. Yep. I will say this. You guys made a great point about Kentucky just being an awful matchup for them. And and the point is that it is all about matchups when you get to this time of the year. And if they can just get into the tournament, when those brackets take form, you just don't know. You know, maybe they play, maybe they're putting a bracket where they're playing a lot of teams that are similar to them 
and also thrive without much of an inside presence. To see, who knows? I mean, I'm not writing them off. It's just, no, I keep waiting know. to see more. Yeah, I keep waiting to see you, more from these you guys. Know, you know, last year, McLemore was providing that inside presence. He was having a remarkable year. And he got hurt, and they won three out of eight after that. Uh, he was he was the difference for them. And I he, thought. he hasn't got back to that point, or really very close to it, very often. I know a lot of people keep talking about Mustafa Heron and all that, and they they're missing that. I don't think that's the missing piece. I think it's several things. It, it's the absolutely the matchups, Auburn's size, the lack of a true center in there, but also the. For all the talk, obviously, of them playing great defense over that five- or six-game stretch, they still have a tendency to relax on defense at times. and It leads to these wide-open shots and allows teams to go on runs. And teams that are bigger than them and longer than them absolutely destroy them um, when that happens, as we saw at Kentucky, and makes them pay for it. Now, the, the question is, is – can Auburn find a way to just outrun everybody? I think that's what they've got to do. Um, to, to do win. that, you got to you got to rebound and and, and yeah. you got and you got to force turnovers. That's exactly that's, the, oh, that's that's their key. And uh, if they if they can get people running up and down the court, they're very hard to beat for anybody. Yeah, that's how they beat Georgia, by the way. Um, and and that was the whole point. That's how they counter counteracted the length of Georgia. Can you do that on the road? That's it's going to be that's difficult, in my opinion. Yep. Yep, it's gonna be difficult. I All think right. it's a very, I think it's a tough game coming up for Auburn. I really, I do, do too. And, and it's you a tough say matchup. one in thirteen, you say one in thirteen, but like I said, they almost, they've almost won their last three games. And then of course you had the teddy bear thrown out of the stands or whatever. It was. <laughs> uh, uh, the funny thing was, is a bulldog thrown on on the court, yeah. and then it, it cost them a which free actually, throw. Which I thought, I, the thing is though, the guy made the next free throw, which meant the game was over. Anyway, with a half yeah. second left. But I still, why, why, you know, how do you know that wasn't some, uh, how do you know that wasn't a, uh, a, uh, a, was, was that against Ole Miss, right? No, that was Mississippi State. Mississippi State. State. How do you know it wasn't a Mississippi State fan that went over there and threw it on the floor? I I just, I don't see how you call technical fouls on that. And especially, it wasn't dangerous, and he had already shot the ball before it hit the floor. It had no impact on anything. Just pick it up and throw it off the court and play on. I think we've just dis- I think we've discovered a new way around the rules, uh, Philip. You send a rogue fan on the on these road That's games it. and throw stuff on the court and get yourself some points. That's it. We gotta figure it out. Uh hey, Keith, Auburn picked up a four star wide receiver yes. uh this week. Uh a big one to start the week on a Sunday night. Tell us a little bit more about him and uh just uh what kind of led to Auburn getting him, and uh, how close is he with Cody Burns? And what 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 does what yeah. uh, Auburn think it, see, they see in this well, kid? A couple of things. I think this is like my sixth or seventh recruiting cycle covering Auburn. It is amazing how well Auburn recruits receivers. I mean, it, it really is. I mean, there's positions where you recruit well at, and there's positions you don't recruit as well at. But at the receiver position, Auburn has really continued to do it, uh, regardless of whether it was Damian Craig or now Cody. Cody Burns, but J.J. Evans is a, is a great story. We're going to do more on him later on, obviously. Uh, I put a story up on the message board. Uh, this is a kid that's had some real tragedy in his personal life. He witnessed his father drowning. Uh, so it's a kid, above all else, everybody wants to pull for. Uh, but on the field, he's something else. 1,700 receiving yards as a junior. Philip, get this. Wow. 20, 26.6 yards a catch. Now, I don't care what level you're playing at. That's pretty good. That's right. <laughs> that's a, that's a fourth of the field every time you catch the ball. Uh, playing at Montevallo, I'm sure I'm butchering how to spell that. I, you know, I, I don't, I haven't, I've been to all these places in Alabama, but sometimes get the names wrong. But uh, 1,700 yards, 64 catches, 18 touchdown uh, receptions, uh, and you know, privately, we've heard that the Auburn staff had him the number one receiver on the board in the state of Alabama. And, and what's interesting about that is EJ Williams at Phoenix City Central is the guy that most people would assume was the guy because he's gotten so much pub. Uh, he visits Clemson every other week. He's a former teammate of the Clemson sensational freshman receiver, Justin Ross. But again, privately, the Auburn coaches apparently had this guy higher on the board. And so, so far, Auburn has seven commitments for 2020. And obviously, we saw last cycle, commitment doesn't always mean a guy's going to sign. Uh, but seven commitments, and two of them are highly touted receivers, J.J. Evans being one. The other, Kobe Hudson, is a top 60 national recruit out of Troop County in LaGrange, Georgia. 
Uh, now, everybody is coming after him, so he's going to be hard to hold on to. Uh, but I grew up an Auburn fan, so I think Auburn feels good there. But, uh, again, another great job getting a receiver on board. And he told me, he said, look, you know, I really click with Cody Burns and Kenny Dillingham. And what do those guys have? And, and Brandon, you know these two guys pretty well, uh, even though Kenny's, Kenny's new. He's, you know, when, when we're over in the athletic field, then Kenny's a guy that's very personable. All you have to do is watch him for two seconds, Brandon. You know this, and you see how energetic he is and how outgoing he is. And and he and Cody already are proving to be quite a tandem on the recruiting trail. And, th- and this young man, JJ Evans, said these guys are young, they're energetic, they they're hyped, and, and that's what kids want. There's so many factors, uh, you know, making a feel feel a kid making a kid feel comfortable. And and Cody Burns and Kenny Dillingham seem to have really done that. And and this is a guy that a lot of people wanted. And and nobody's going to stop recruiting him. I can tell you that he's a sensational player. Uh, and above all else, though, you know, given what he's been through in his personal life, probably somebody from talking to him and reading about him, probably somebody who could use some good, good fatherly like figures in his life. And and that's what and that's what the Auburn staff has always tried to do with these recruits. And uh, you know, Cody Burns and Kenny Dillingham are young guys. They can be both. They can be the the guy that's young enough to relate to them, but the guy that's old enough to, to guide them too. And uh, he, he really found a fit at Auburn. And uh, I kind of figured it was coming Saturday. He said he was getting close. You can, you know, sometimes when you interview a guy and you guys have been doing this a long time, you can just tell by the look in their eye that they feel the, they feel something about the place they're at. And, and I started to get that vibe Saturday. And I just know Auburn is absolutely thrilled to get this guy. Uh, Cody Burns is a, is a class young man. There's no question about that, and uh, I, I can see how he would be impressive. I, I I don't know Kenny Dillingham yet, but uh, uh, it's interesting because all the fans were complaining about Cody's recruiting when he first came here, and uh, given a little time, he seems to have done he seems to have done well. Uh, yeah, I mean, the but, uh, but it is interesting that they signed so many receivers. I agree with you. It is. It is. It's, I mean, now not all of them have panned out, but let's, you know, no. that's kind of, in a sense, that's almost not irrelevant, but, but on the recruiting, from the recruiting standpoint, to get Kyle Davis and Nate Craig Myers, two guys that didn't really pan out, they beat out all the big boys. So it wasn't just them that wanted him. It wasn't right. just the recruiting services that had those guys rated high. Nick Saban had them rated high. Dabo Sweeney had them rated high. So, uh, yeah, I mean, they're winning a lot of battles at this position. And I think, uh, you know, obviously the sting of, of George Pickens, you know, flipping on signing day to Georgia is still there. Uh, th- this is a big receiver. He can be an outside threat. He can be a deep threat. He's very quick uh, for a big kid. Uh, not quite as big as George Pickens, 6'2", six, 6'3", six, good size. Uh, but he just makes things happen. You watch his film. And, 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 and again, I think he's a quality young guy. Now, we'll see. I, how what do we really know all these guys? You just never know. But he, he seems to be that type of guy that, that does well at Auburn. And, um, and again, I, like I said, I think there was a real excitement around the Auburn athletic complex to, to get this one. And look, they're off to a good start guys. I think they have the number nine class in the country and it's early, obviously I get that, but, but Philip and Brandon and Ronnie, these guys are having to recruit again with more uncertainty hanging over the program. They, they're probably used to it by now, but I, I think, I think the fans, and look, this is a great fan base. I'm not saying that, but I think sometimes it's very easy to look at what your rivals are doing and say, again, like, why aren't they doing that? But they've had a negative cloud over the program in terms of uncertainty at the head coaching position for three out of the last four cycles. And they're still putting together some pretty darn good classes. So I think Gus Malzahn and his guys know how to recruit. I think they've proven that. I don't think there's any question about that. You can question a lot of things, but I think, uh, you know, I, I, I think overall, uh, there's been some positions where they could do better. Obviously, uh, you'd like to see them do b- more on the offensive line. And by the way, they already have two offensive line commits in this cycle, two guys they think really highly of. So I, I think you have to be impressed with this start, given what we just went through in, in November, December, Philip. Uh, they, they definitely do know how to recruit. And, uh, uh, you know, that's uh, I think a lot of people have been troubled by the, the offensive line stuff, as, as you were saying. They seem to be moving toward toward resolving that but uh and that's not a good place to be short uh but but overall the picture yeah they do know how to recruit it and and you got to give Gus Malzahn a lot of credit because you know they lost great recruiter in Damian Craig they uh they've lost others and they they keep on going and uh uh and that's where you have to start (laughs) if if you don't have players 
you're in a bad way. And well, so, uh, go ahead. I've talked to, I've, I didn't mean to cut you off. I've talked to a couple of sources, and they say that you know JB Grimes, the offensive line coach, has a little more pep in his steps these days. I don't know what I'm trying. I'm, you know, he's a little more feeling a little bit better about things. He's off to a great start. He's got Avery Jernigan. He's got Jonathan Buskey committed a tackle and a, and a guy that can play center or guard. They're in good shape to potentially land Trey Zimmerman out of Georgia, big tackle. Uh, and the word is that you know, JB's feeling uh, pretty good about where things are headed in this cycle. I mean, if two commitments down, probably need four or five more to go. But uh, yeah, look, off to a really good start everywhere right now. So the, they just the, the opportunity, the, the realistic opportunity to play early is a great, that's right. is a great thing. I think the feeling is if they can recruit at a pretty good level, and then start the season off well. Hold it together till the season starts. And if they could start off well, they feel like they'll be then, then that'll really kind of take them over the over the you know the the final hurdle there. But the, again, so far so good. They're in it with a lot of guys. And you're right that the chance to play early on the offensive line, you're going to see that at linebacker. You're going to see that at receiver. Quite frankly, uh, you know some of the receivers are going to be fading away the next couple of years. Defensive line, you're going to see that these guys want to play early and. Uh, and so I think it's setting up for Auburn to have a, another strong class. But again, the hurdle is that th there's going to be a lot of challenges in terms of negative recruiting out there. You know, what is Gus's future? You know, all that stuff. But look, like I said, these guys have been dealing with this for the last three years anyway. So what's the big deal? Yeah. Nope. Philip, uh, baseball, Auburn went on the road to UCF, took that series. What do the Tigers look like right now? And I understand they're dealing with an injury. Yeah, uh, that, and that was big to do that because UCF is good. Uh, uh, and to go go on the road, that's something that neither Auburn nor hardly any SEC schools do very often is go on the road to play a real series against a real team during the pre-conference season. But, uh, well, yeah, Davis Daniel, who was, start, who was their opening game starter, uh, 11th round pick by the Brewers last year, left the game after the second inning with tightness in his forearm, and they were – they were scared to death because that can mean uh, damage to the UCL ligament, which uh, or UC ligament, I guess. The L stands for ligament. But anyway, uh, which usually means Tommy John surgery. But it wasn't that. Uh, it's just a strained muscle in his forearm, and he should be back in two or three weeks, they hope. So that's good because Tanner Burns, who is a preseason All-American, is, is a dominating guy, and he, he, uh, he dominated Central Florida on Friday. And uh, – but then they, they had a JUCO guy starting the next two the next two games, and neither one of them got out of the second inning. So they, they're going to have to take a look at that. But they got 17 pitchers, so uh, a lot of them are new. But uh, Jack Owen, who was a sophomore left-hander, was really good against uh, Georgia Southern, and he was really good against Central Florida in the second game Saturday. So, so that's uh, – I think they'll be fine there. They just kind of got to figure out their rotation. And and Davis should be back uh, by around the start of the SEC season. So, uh, uh, of course, then it'll probably take some time for him to get back into real pitching shape. But but uh, uh, they uh, the first four or five games, the guys that were supposed to be their big hitters, uh, Stephen Williams, uh, Will Holland, they weren't hitting at all. Now, Edward Julian uh, – they pretty much taken the walk in him because they can't get him out. And uh, he is a big-time player. But uh, uh, but those those guys started – they they kind of broke through against uh, Central Florida, especially Sunday. And uh, they got a chance. It's uh, – you know, they won't have another test like that until they get to the SEC season. They played Cincinnati this weekend, who was supposed to be good. And I, I haven't looked. Got it today. Last week they were like 0 and 4, 0 and 5. So I don't, I don't know if they are good, but they were supposed to be. And uh, but uh, I think that they uh, they're they're on schedule. I'll just put it that way. I think they're I think they are where they want to be. They got a very difficult road schedule in the SEC. They got got most of their toughest games are on the road, uh, or a lot of them. But uh, but they're in a pretty good place, I think. Assuming they they just the biggest thing is they got to get their their starting rotation figured out. One between now when Davis Daniel is ready to go again, and two beyond that for the third starter. We're starting a new segment here on the Auburn Undercover Podcast where we have you call into our voicemail line at three three four 
246-1552. And you leave your take on whatever's happening with Auburn sports, college football, college basketball, college baseball, softball, anything relating to Auburn. And we'll probably play it here on the podcast. Let your voice be heard. That's the entire premise of this. We want your voice to be heard. Sometimes we'll react to it, sometimes not. Sometimes we'll just let you have your free time to rant and rave or give props to someone, whatever you want. All you have to do is call 334-246-1552. It goes directly to a voicemail box, and you have your chance to record your message. It can be as short or as long as you want, and we may choose it to play here on the Auburn Undercover Podcast. Well, we got a few piled up here over the last week or two since we introduced this on Twitter and announced it on Twitter, and here they are. Make sure to listen to them, and then if you want to call in, again, that number is 334-246-1552. Make sure and give these a listen. Uh, Tom, uh, graduate 1984, been watching basketball for a long time. Uh, love my basketball, love the Auburn Tigers. Uh, Auburn has been a wasteland of basketball before Pearl. Uh, he's not the greatest uh, X and O's coach, but he's what Auburn needs, uh, at least at this point. Uh, he's gotten the fans involved. He's gotten uh, good recruits, pretty good recruiter. Uh, decent uh, X's and O's coach. Uh, don't understand the people who think he doesn't run sets or, uh, you know, he, he runs some of the better out-of-bounds plays around. He certainly comes out of timeouts with some of the better sets. Um, I'd like the defense to be a little bit more uh, disruptive, a uh, little bit more pressure on ball, um, maybe some trapping, some other things there, to, uh, and maybe change defenses up a little bit like uh, Sonny Smith used to do a long time ago. But, uh, you know, I think uh, we're in a good spot in basketball, and I think we'll continue to improve. And don't forget, we've uh, suffered from a, a year of missed recruiting from uh, the, the uh, person fiasco. So, uh uh, really all in on the uh, Bruce Pearl and right now in the basketball. And I, I, I think he's a great coach, uh, you know, for Auburn at this, uh, at this point in, in, in basketball. So, uh, we ought to enjoy the, uh, enjoy what you see now. And, uh, basketball is exciting again in Auburn and fun to watch. And, uh, so we'll never be Duke. Uh, got to understand where we are, who we are, that type of thing. So good deal. Thank you, Auburn Undercover. Hey, Brandon, this is Will from Jacksonville, Florida, calling to give my opinion on the Auburn-Georgia scheduling dilemma. In my opinion, there's one and only one solution to fixing this, and that is you just need to keep the game on the same week but revert back to how it used to be before A&M and Missouri joined the conference rather than playing the home-and-home and then the away-and-the-way uh, just have it alternating home away uh, each year. So um, that's my opinion, and I think that is the one and only solution they should consider. Hey, guys. I board under the name Kimmerville. Obviously, the big news is the Greg Brown situation. At least I think that's his name. Uh, honestly, the whole time he was here, I had a hard time remembering his name or anything about him. Um just kind of a vanilla, nondescript guy. Okay, obviously good at his job, obviously a great coach, but somewhat forgettable. And uh, I got to thinking, feeling sorry for him, because he's bouncing around every couple of years. Maybe schools are forgetting he's there. Maybe uh, people forget and hire someone else, or they forget to renew his contract, and he just doesn't quite have that sort of staying power. So I got to thinking, uh, you know, Wesley McGriff, crime dog, very catchy, very cool. Kids remember crime dog. Well, how about an image makeover for Greg Brown? Uh, could you guys pitch maybe uh, a new, cool, edgy nickname for Greg Brown that could help him sort of uh, with his personality? Uh, I came up with one. Uh, bear with me. Encyclopedia Brown. 
kind of a keeping with the kids, children's crime stopping theme, same as Crime Dog, but maybe not quite as cool. Uh, it's got Brown, which is his last name, so that helps. Uh, and he's got an encyclopedic knowledge of the secondary, uh, but it's not, it's not quite powerful enough. So be curious to hear, uh, what you guys can come up with. Thanks. <laughs> I'm not, uh, I'm not sure Encyclopedia Brown is gonna work. But um, we'll make sure and pass that along to him whenever we see him at Purdue. By the way, I think I spoke to Greg Brown once in my life. And you're right, he was kind of like in the background. just He was there, but not really. Kevin Steele really liked him. He trusted him. And uh, it was kind of a loss for him. But uh, I never got to know the guy. Encyclopedia Brown. And you say it's going to be cool to the kids. And maybe you're being funny. I don't know. Uh, and I'm not... I'm not <laughs> I'm not making fun of you, but does anybody know what encyclopedias nowadays? These kids, do kids know what encyclopedias are nowadays? I don't know. That's going to do it for the Auburn Undercover Roundtable Podcast. Thanks for listening. We'll see you down the road. No one has it covered like 24-7 sports. Go undercover with Auburn Undercover. Undercover.